We thank you, dear friends. Thank you so very much. You're listening to KPFT Houston. Welcome to Think Wing Radio with Mike Honig on KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston. My guest tonight is Chris Sampson, a noted terror and cyber analyst, and uh, used to have his own shows on KPFT, so it's kind of like a homecoming whenever he's here. Uh, topics tonight, kind of inescapable to talk about the Las Vegas shooting, so that's going to be our primary topic. Uh, the call-in number is 713-526-5738, um, Just an update on a story that I have been following now for the better part of this year. Uh, the most recent application uh, petition of mandamus for uh, a new election was distributed to the Supreme Court on the 25th and was denied today. So they thought about it at least for a week. Anyway, uh, I have to say, this this was a worthwhile petition. Um, it, it made some very reasonable demands on the system, so that's a big disappointment. Okay, so we had the shooting in Las Vegas. It's a developing story. So there's a lot we don't know, a lot I don't know, a lot that will be coming out over time. Um, Chris, since you're the one that has the most current information on me, why don't you give us a, a quick update on what we know about this guy and what we know about his intent and his uh, firearm possessions and stuff like that? Right. Well, we don't know his motivation yet. That's one of the things that keeps uh, at least real analysts from wanting to call this terrorism because the definition of terrorism has one key component, which is a political motivation. And if you look at the evolution of terrorism in the old days, uh, at least when I was young, um, you know, you might have a hostage situation with a set of demands, right? And the whole purpose was to captivate the audience of policymakers in the world in order to get your demands met. And in time, especially as we get towards ISIS and, and modern groups, you know, sometimes the motivation is to simply kill a lot of people. But with basically pure terror. Pure to, terror. Um, but with, there's a, there is an ambition. There is a, a well, goal. Well, the ambition is to disrupt society, to disrupt commerce, to make people feel insecure, right. to place pressure on and their And part of the reason why you want to make sure that people feel insecure from that point of view 
is to show them that their government is useless to them, that their government is feckless. They cannot defend them. Cannot defend them, right. So with Stephen Paddock, the current suspect, um, he has no known motivation that we've seen. However, what we can look at is a little bit of his profile. And so far, he does not fit much of the profiles we're used to. He's a millionaire. Um, he was a combination gambler, former accountant, by the way, who retired, but combination gambler and real estate I think owner. he was 66? 64. 64. Born, 64. Uh, yes, born April 9th, 1963. Um, he was armed with at least 10 rifles in the location. He had many more guns at home. Uh, he had ammonium nitrate in his vehicle and at his house. Last I heard, he had 17 weapons. Uh, a mixture of Something handguns and long guns. Right. And, um, you know, without seeing, again, more of what the motivation is, we have a few, few, we have very few clues to go about what's driving his ambition. But one of the things that was kind of odd at midday, and especially since the, it's the area that I focus on, which is ISIS, we had this claim midday that ISIS came along and said he's one of the soldiers of the caliphate um, who is uh, attacking um, coalition uh countries on behalf of the recent call from a, you know, a few days back from al-Baghdadi. And and he did satisfy one criterion for them before making a claim, which was he was dead. So he couldn't counter Right, dead man, claim. no tell tales, right. Uh, but they didn't name him. You know, they just said the, you know, the, uh, the soldier, blah, 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 they didn't name him, and they gave no evidence that they were anything behind him. But the truth is, he doesn't fit their profile. And as a couple other people asked... They'll be going through his computer. They'll be going through his computer, his social media. But as a couple other people mentioned, said that there was an Antifa group that had claimed him as well. But again, he is a multimillionaire real estate owner account, and he doesn't fit the Antifa model either. So we right now have a mass shooting, a massacre. But we do not have the proper evidence to label it terrorism. Now, a lot of people don't like that when we don't label it that way. Uh, it feels unsatisfied because of the amount of terror that such an event instills in people. But not every terrible event is terrorism. Exactly. Mass murder is not automatically terrorism by definition. So uh, we have to look at, um, again, when the social media footprint is finally examined, when they go through his phones, his text message, uh, his any kind of computer records he had i didn't find a social media footprint on him his brother has a facebook page his uh you know partner or girlfriend or whatever she is to him in relationship she had a facebook page but we found none on him in particular second thing that was interesting through the day was how many people were being falsely accused um from several sources but a lot of them were the alt-right sources immediately jumping to conclusions with the wrong person's name um, uh, wrongly identified Stephen Paddock. So actually one guy who's by the name of Stephen Paddock uh, got lots of barrages at him on Facebook. And, you know, that's that's part of the problem with people jumping to the conclusion of wanting to label. Yeah, very few names are unique. True. So looking up someone by name is not necessarily the way to do it. Um, let's see. So what, what I have, what I have that I was able to kind of scrounge up before I left the house um he was a licensed hunter. Right. He was a licensed pilot. Right. Um, he had no serious run-ins with the law. Apparently, uh, anything he had was like traffic misdemeanors, right. as far and, as we know. And settled at the time. Uh, and settled at the time. Um, is not known for political screeds. Is right. not known for uh, going nuts around neighbors or right. being tightly wound. Right. Um, he, he really doesn't fit many of the profiles of somebody who just suddenly up and decides 
to perform a massacre with an automatic weapon. Right. Um, of course, the White House, as what most Republicans do, this is not the time to talk about gun mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. Because you never want to strike the iron while it's hot. Right. And it does you no good to strike the iron when it's cold. Right. So, actually, this is exactly the time to talk about gun control exactly and how many weapons people can buy and how many weapons people can own and how big um, clips should be and you know even if the guns are constitutionally allowed maybe regulate the ammunition right which is not guaranteed by the Constitution right at least not by any law that I as a lay person am aware of um, well and to make a quick point um, I had a, a, a person earlier today mention um, trying to explain a sec or wanted an explanation on the second amendment and gave me someone's view that uh you know the second amendment was established in order to hold the government accountable you know and to make sure you were ready in case tyranny and i said actually if you go back and you look at what madison and washington said and you take into account two rebellions early on the shays rebellion and whiskey rebellion they were very clear that they did not want insurrection. They were very clear that they didn't want people to be armed to the point of turning on the new government that they had created. That's why the government has a, a, a legal political means of changing it. Right. So the purpose of the militias was not to hold the the our government accountable at the time, but to be ready, because we did not have a quality standing army, for opposing forces like the British at the time. I once had a visiting, when I was doing an HD3 show, and I've got it in my uh, archives somewhere. If someone is interested, I can post it. It's probably online now. But I had uh, a visiting professor from University of Houston who specialized in Second Amendment law. Mm -hmm. And uh, she made a couple of points that I have always remembered. Uh, one, which has been widely discussed, is that the Second Amendment really just suffers from poor punctuation. Uh, true. There is a comma in there mm -hmm. that raises all the questions about what the intent of the framers is, mm -hmm. was. In, in the language itself. In the language itself. Right. Just the punctuation, because, you know, legal determinations are made by the letter of the law, and only occasionally does the intent right. come in. Um, but she said something that I've always remembered, which is, that when the 13 colonies ratified each, each amendment individually, and there were originally 13, mm -hmm. and only 10 of them were passed, mm -hmm. that there were actually several differently framed versions of the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. And it's almost random, in a sense, which one finally made its way into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it hasn't been argued Maybe it can't be argued, but it would seem like it could be argued that if a different Second Amendment was ratified in several different states, mm -hmm. that it was never properly ratified because the, the punctuation and the language matter. Now, no one has ever contested it on that basis, and I guess if they could, they would. But this was from uh, a, a professor who specialized in research on the history and legal precedents set for and by the Second Amendment. Right. And again, what I'm saying about the history is if you go back and look at what the founders were saying about the you know, brand new nation and the fact that they did not want it to crumble into inner rebellion, 
Um, and you had, again, you had two rebellions. You had Daniel Shea's rebellion and the Whiskey Rebellion as an example, and Washington specifically spoke on uh, those behaviors as a detriment to this nation. So he was not looking to establish, and, and Madison, who was the author of the language uh, the, primarily, they were not looking for something that would um, you know, foment a, an insurrection internally. Uh, that that's a, a mindset that came along much later. In fact, from what I've read over the years, it's something that has actually been a fairly modern construct within the last fifty years. Right, and that and, and tells you everything about what the original framers thought versus how it's evolved. And interestingly, in post Civil War, the post Civil War South, it was actually interpreted for freed slaves to be able to defend themselves. Right, so. Of course, now the Second Amendment, for all practical purposes, is, is uh, endorsed for whites only. You you can't really have a black guy toting around an AR-15 without getting a SWAT team called right. on him. So, I mean, I think that from a from a position of equal treatment under the law, mm -hmm. I am sort of surprised that nobody has yet contested not the Second Amendment itself, because it can't be unconstitutional because it's in the Constitution, right. but as an equal protection clause, mm -hmm. it is not enforced equally. Right. So I would think that there would be some dispute there. Now, I, I just looked up, just for the record, I wanted to read in the Second Amendment as apparently it is in the Constitution. Quote, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. Now, I do some editing of science papers, and that is a horribly written sentence mm -hmm. in terms of clarity. Um, okay, we do have a caller. I'm going to do a quick station ID so I don't have to do it in the middle of the call. You're listening to Think Wing Radio with Mike Honig on KPFT. Bob Gartner is uh, appreciated, as always, on controls. My guest is Chris Sampson, a terror and cyber analyst, and uh, it's kind of semi-open form, but the dominant topic, I think, is going to be the Las Vegas uh, shooter and the issues surrounding the shooter, the shooting, the weapons, availability, etc., the phone number is 713-526-5738. We do have open lines, and first caller up is Tony. How you doing, Tony? I'm very good, very good. Uh, interesting conversations, very sad day. Very sad. Um, you know, Mike, you, you're, I, I'm, I'm, you're an egghead. I mean that kindly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you really haven't analyzed, but to be very honest with you, all that... Uh, and a nickel will get you a cup of coffee. Um, listen, this guy reminds me of what occurred on my block about two and a half years ago. Mm. On a quiet cul-de-sac block, cul-de-sac block one Sunday morning, a man living in a home two doors down from me woke up and decided today is a good day to die. Mm. He literally walked right. down the middle of the street on a Sunday morning, a beautiful day, with an eight, with a pump-action shotgun, pistol grip, black. He had black pants on, tucked into army boots, a white t-shirt, and a camel hat. And he approached our neighbor across the street as that neighbor and his family was coming out of his home going to church. I thought he was literally going to kill all of them with their children. Mm. Now, this is a quiet residential west side neighborhood. Turns out 
that day turned into a situation in which he was he was barricaded in his own home. Police, SWAT team, helicopters, everywhere on my small block. And for that entire day, they tried to talk this man out. Well, he wouldn't come out. They tried to uh, approach it in an armored vehicle, and because he had the same amount of weaponry, if not more, that this shooter had, and high-caliber ammunition, he shot the tire out of the vehicle. Now, I was there, and I saw it. I'm not telling you what I heard or read in the Chronicle or anything like that. They withdrew that vehicle and pulled it around the corner, and all the SWAT members were looking at it like, my God, this guy is heavily armed. He's got more than a rusty 38. They end up having to storm that house. They drove up into the house like it was an eggshell and piled out like Marines storming the beach on Iwo Jima. And for that 10 minutes, I don't know, it seemed like a lifetime, all you could hear was a crackling of firearms. Yeah. Now, this man was a loner, just like this guy here. This man was Caucasian, just like this guy here. He was probably in his late 40s. Uh, he was not poor. The home he lived in was a beautiful two-story building, four-bedroom home. It's easy, $200,000 home. Did you know him personally? I didn't know him personally. He was not friendly. He was not friendly, but he never bothered me personally. I'd see him on his porch drinking beer when I'd drive past, etc. Mm. Um, but that was it. Now, he had been collecting firearms and ammunition for years. He had all kinds of, of weaponry and paraphernalia in his home, according to the police when they stormed it, and according to one specific neighbor who had known him for a number of years that he lived in that home. He had AR-15s with scopes and red dots. And he had all of this ammunition in his house and all these firearms two doors down from where I'm living, and I don't even own a pop gun. Mm. Okay? Now, what I'm getting at is this. These people are out there. They're amongst us. It's not because of poverty. This guy wasn't poor. His family supported him because he couldn't hold a job. They were well off, I understand, when they came to bury him and clean out his home, they were very well off. They apologized to anyone that may have been subject to the violence that their brother had, had, had uh, perpetrated. But he had a college degree. He just simply wasn't adjusted. Something happened to him. And um, this guy's the same way. They're among us. They can buy all these weapons. Now, this family member of uh, this guy here, he may claim they didn't know anything about it. I don't believe it at all. This family I'm talking about, they knew that he had all these weapons. What do you need five cases of hot caliber ammunition for? You going hunting? Would you say this was uh, an example of suicide by cop, or did he seem to have some to be other plan? With you, I would say that because luckily this man approached this family in the middle of the street and thanked the Lord that he did not shoot them. He simply changed some words, and as I couldn't hear because I was in my house trying to find my shoes and call the police, but he turned around and walked back in the middle street to his home. That's when the police arrived and took a shot at him and missed him. He ran into his home and he barricaded, and that's how it started that morning. And it ended with him being shot in the head by the SWAT team. No officers were injured, thank God. But I, I, that could be suicide by cop. But the point is that these people are fit to profile. They are out there among us. And all this stuff about, you know, bearing, you know, the right to bear arms and all that. Oh, yeah, that's really good and all that. But the fact is, and I do support it, believe me. I am not against gun control per se. I believe that any citizen 
I'm sorry, you're not against gun ownership, per se, I think is what you're Right, that's right. I'm not. I am not. And I do not believe that the government should restrict or preclude any legal person to buy whatever weapon that's on the market and they see fit. I'm what about, not against that. What about the ammunition? Well, my point is, you don't, uh, yeah, you're right. A weapon is no good without the ammunition. And the, and the ammunition is not guaranteed by the Constitution. Well, I mean... Uh, right, but I mean, for, for the sake of this conversation, I mean, and, you know, the, the guns, the arms industry is not going to ban ammunition or require people to only buy a certain amount of ammunition, like they do Sudafed at Walgreens. But okay? you could regulate the ammunition without it being unconstitutional. They so, could do a lot of that, but they're not going to do it. I mean, but, well, I'm just talking about. I'm not talking about probabilities here. I'm talking about possibilities. Well, well, let's look at that. Hold on a second, Tony. I mean, that's people to regulate. Hold on a second, Tony. Tony, Tony, hold on a second. I, I appreciate your story. Chris wants to contribute something here. So, yeah, yeah if, if we take a look at the Heller decision, the Heller D.C. decision that uh, Antonin Scalia wrote the opinion on, Scalia, the most conservative justice of our time. Was he a Supreme Court justice at the time he wrote it, or was he a federal judge? No, he, this, was, this was during him being uh, Supreme Court justice. Okay. So he very clearly stated that while the Heller decision was guaranteeing the right of an individual to arm themselves – it did not prohibit Congress from creating regulations on what kind of armament was being used. So then it's a distinction that I think most liberals who, who got, who sort of pathologically get upset at someone like Scalia don't stop and actually read what he said. And there's a lot of latitude. You can't in that. own a nuke. You can't own a 155 millimeter artillery piece. Right. He left a plenty of room in there for regulation at the state level and the federal level and said that those could be constitutional. Now, of course, he might have to see what the laws would be that would come up, but he, he left a lot of latitude in there that says, well, all we're affirming is the right to own a handgun because that was the actual case. That was a majority him. decision. Yes. Okay. So, so in other words, that is a. Hold on a second, Tony. So, so, hold on. Tony, 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 hold on. Stuff. So, the, the matter is, Tony, that, um, Tony, you were right, Mike. An African American person, though legally entitled, couldn't walk down the street with an AR-15. No, no it's a it's a whites only yeah. amendment. So what? It's a whites only amendment. Of course, when when we had the flood, and I called in to your show, and I said that I went over on Eldridge Parkway to to to. To, when it was flooded, and that evening, and I happened to run into people who were there, and the Confederate Navy people were there, but there were also about ten or ten or twelve of them who literally were standing out in on the street in public amongst crowds of people, fully armed with AR-15 weapon belts, automatic weapons on their hips. I mean, I'd never seen that many armaments by people A who are not law enforcement, B who have no authority since they were not even from Texas to shoot anybody for any reason unless it's absolute personal self-defense, which nobody would go up against this group of people. It was like a Marine battalion. Okay, Tony. But nobody uh, said anything about that. Tony. Now, if that were five or ten African-Americans from the Nation of Islam, then there would have been police questioning them, hesitantly approaching them. The crowd would have been uneasy. But as long as they were Caucasian folks, it was okay. Nobody even noticed them. Okay, Tony. 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 Um... I appreciate your story. I think it's it's a really important story. It's personal. Um, I I appreciate your call, but I you know I I, I have now a full board of people, people and and I think I'm going to have to give them a turn. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, Tony, tonight. for calling. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. All right.
Okay, you're listening to Think Wing Radio with Mike Honig on KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston. My guest is Chris Sampson, terror and cyber analyst. Bob Gartner's on controls. Remember, Thank we you, need your support. KPFT.org is the way to contribute money. You can go there and, and click on the tip jar or whatever they're calling it these days. You know, you can also help support the station by telling maybe two friends that there are a couple of shows on there that you personally like and maybe you think they would be interested in and, and help us grow the audience. Uh, that is actually a form of support, and it doesn't cost you anything except sharing that you know about the station and there are shows you like that other people might enjoy. So consider doing that. Okay, we're going to take another caller now. Um, Bob is, I think Gary is up next. No, Jorge is up next. Okay, Jorge, you're on the air. Thank you so much. Hi, how are you? Okay, how are you? What you got? Good. Well, I'm going to tell you my stance, you know, uh, first things first. I am for gun control, but I'm not against. I'm also, like, for gun ownership, but I believe that there should be some sort of regulation so tragedies like this don't happen because, you know, when whenever Sandy Hook happened, you know, I I believe wasn't it like five or six Democrats that uh, actually opposed uh, gun regulations that were being uh, proposed in Congress. There are some and, blue know, dog Democrats. Are, do you have a, a radio on in the background there, Jorge? Uh, uh no. No. Okay. Some background noise. Oh, so I, I'm just uh, stuck in some traffic. I I'm saw. Understood. So, um, what are your thoughts on some of what we're discussing in terms of the availability of ammunition, availability of firearms, the kind of firearms, the number of firearms? Um, okay. Is it too easy to, to quote-unquote, collect? You know, there are accumulators and there are collectors. Right. And there is a, you know, it's like you've got gun hoarders. And then you've got people that actually, it's like a coin collector. It's like, oh, that's a really cool coin. I would really like to own that. There's a significant difference between the two. Right. And a lot of the people that we are running across that do this stuff, they're not collectors. They're hoarders. Right. Yeah. And, in fact, you can tell it from the mindset of what they say. When they, they, the justification of buying more is that the fear that the government will take from you. So that's not collecting. That's, as you said, that's hoarding or preparing uh, for something that is in many ways an irrational fear because the government has not shown any penchant for taking you know, guns away. And the few examples that can be cited, for instance, post-Katrina, the, the courts overturned those decisions and handed the guns back and basically told the officers, you, you can't do that. And basically white people then get to carry around guns. Right. So, Jorge, um, tell me in, in a minute or two, what is your what are your thoughts on this? Jorge, are you there? I think we lost Jorge. Okay, well, I appreciate your calling, Jorge. Uh, sorry we lost you. Next up, then, is three. Gary, line three. Hey, Gary, you're on the air. How you doing? I'm okay. I, I just want to um, mention a general issue that your guests may be interested in. Um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the Bible and uh, the laws of the Bible. What was this uh, whole issue with uh, Moore down in Alabama and biblical law and that 
you know, I saw some people talking about Leviticus, and if you believe in biblical law, then by golly, you can kill that wife and you can mm. kill that kid that was disrespectful. Well, yeah, I've said many times that that Old Testament law has nothing on Sharia. All right, and you can have a couple of slaves. But, I mean, doesn't this apply to the Constitution? It's over 200 years old. They're talking about the Second Amendment and the right to have musket balls. And, and you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, when do we update this? I mean, there were no airplanes, automobiles, and, and science. There was nothing back then. They were running around in wagons and horses. Well, and we actually, apply the laws. Actually, you know, we, we get irate because the biblical law doesn't apply to the reality of today's world with science and everything. But now we still have our beautiful, God bless it, I love it, the Constitution. But, hello, Come on, when do we move up into the 21st century from 1776? And that's my question. Well, the courts <laughs> the courts are supposed to do that with uh, interpretation, uh, trying to evaluate the words of law and the Constitution with contemporary... Hold on, Gary, you had a long time to talk. Yeah, but really, you know, the mindset of these people on the courts and the, and the senators, I mean, I mean, really? Well, I, I mean, the way the Second Amendment has been interpreted, as Chris pointed out earlier, has changed a lot over the last couple of centuries. It used to be interpreted as being for state militia, and then it was interpreted for uh, protecting freedmen protecting themselves. And then in the 1960s, it became a more absolute right where, gun, where uh, cities and states and other government entities had more problems regulating them. Chris, I know you're bursting to say something. Well, here. I would say one thing that's, uh, you know, to tie it into what the caller is saying is that if you have um, people treating these options as a religious right, you know, that it's something that the ability to, uh, to own whatever weapon you want is God-given in some way, then that starts creating a bunch of problems when it comes to making policy. Because you're very likely not going to get people at the table making policy if they're driven by an ideological, um, uh, you know, view that is saying that you know their right to own as many guns or whatever guns they want is somehow God-given. Uh, that's a, in many ways a non-starter. But also, let me tie in what you because you mentioned Sharia. So the well, actually, I did. The, yeah, this was it. You mentioned Sharia. So the Sharia is a wide range of laws that are not simply the ones that commonly get discussed in the West. Everything from how property will be, how uh, you know a dowry is belongs to the to the new wife, but not to her family. And a certain amount away. of Sharia is not Muhammad. Uh, the word of Muhammad, a lot of it is also taken from the culture of the tribes at the time. Right, but it, it's a very formal process that when someone like uh, you know Moore from Alabama speaks on, he really does not know what he's talking about. And yet, hypocritically, he wants to assert some of the very fundamental views that he claims that Sharia uh, would, would impose on people. For instance, he believes in, in, in death for homosexuals, which if you look at ISIS, is the same thing that ISIS is saying. So it's it's very sadly ironic that people who are endorsing his particular view are unaware that they really bear a lot of resemblance to groups that they hate, like ISIS. Yeah, the old the Old Testament and the Quran actually prescribe a lot of the same punishments for a lot of the same right. things. Gary, I'm going to have to let you go because well, I have can full I ask lines. One more question. Quickly. All right, very quickly. Can is it not time to amend our constitution for the the 21st century? Sure. Amending the Constitution was deliberately made difficult by the framers.
So you need to have... Rumors never went to the moon. It doesn't matter. We have what we have. The Constitution is what it is. And if you're going to follow the law according to the Constitution and established law, there is a process for a constitutional amendment. Even just changing the punctuation in the Second Amendment would require an amendment. That's my point, is but, that we don't even, we can't even get the, the, the meaning of the, of the amendment correct. How, how many amendments do we have, Chris? Is it 25, 26, 27? Based on the Second Amendment, the guy in Las Vegas had every right to kill those people. Well, no, that's true. No, 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 not true. All right, Gary, I'm going to let you go. I've got to take some other callers. Let's bring it back to what I said about Scalia. Gary, we'll speak again. Take care. So let's let's begin what we talked about when I said that Scalia, the most conservative voice to speak on modern gun control through the Heller decision, very clearly stated that Congress and the states have a lot of right to regulate these weapons. So then the, the question is then, why will Congress not act upon this? And we mostly know what that answer is, which is a massive amount of lobbying and ideology that prevents them from acting for fear of losing their jobs, losing their supporters, or ticking off their supporters. And that sort of fear means that they're, they're derelict in their duty uh, in Congress and in the state houses from doing the very things that would protect the citizens, while not robbing people of the right to be able to defend themselves. And I think, again, I think the, the Heller decision uh, language from uh, Scalia is quite interesting because he spelled out a lot of room for action. And most people in Congress are either oblivious to it or simply don't care. Okay, um, just to set the groundwork here, we're going to be limiting calls to about three or four minutes because I've got five callers on the line now, and we only have about 25 minutes left on the show. So I'm, I'm going to try to move things along a little quicker. Bob, did you have something you wanted to contribute? Yeah, um, we realize I haven't been able to pay attention uh, the whole evening. But, uh, you know, uh, when I see these types of things, even in uh, family issues, when a father will commit suicide or, you know, there's murders or death around uh, custody issues and such, uh, anything that's tragic like that, I, I want to see uh, discussion of uh, what th- these p- people's uh, childhoods were like. And sure. that's something the media never said. Well, that's a mental before. health is there issue. anything known about this guy? Not yet. I uh, think this is very well, yes, his father story. was a his father. Oh, was a bank was, robber. Was a bank robber. Most wanted wanted. On the FBI's most wanted list and designated. Now, again, we don't have the, uh, the psychological profile imprinted by doctors but the fbi claimed that he was psychotic the uh, father right and he that he um his pattern um of uh you know his psychosis if you will was psychopathic i'm sorry let me not say psychotic but he was psych- a psychopath um i don't know how that would tie into his son do you know what the non-clinical difference is because a psychopath and a sociopath clinically are a distinction sure. without a difference sure but a useful distinction I once read is that a sociopath doesn't mind having to kill you, whereas a psychopath wants to. Right. A sociopath would ne- could know that what they're doing is wrong and decide to do it anyway, but they would at least relate to the idea that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, according to society, which they don't respect right. and they have no feelings for. Right. Um, okay, we're going to go on to the next caller. Uh, M.O.D., you're on the air. Hello, How you M.O.D. Doing? Hello. Hi. So about three minutes is the most I can give you. So, uh, hey, it's Monday. Uh, hey, have you guys, do y'all know anything about um, what's that Operation Gladio in Italy in the eighties? 
Are you familiar, Chris? What about it? You know about the carpet bombings, state-sponsored terrorism, more of the playbook from Vietnam's Phoenix Yes, we talked about this last time. What about it, please? The assassination program, yes, I'm very aware of it. Yes? Yeah. What about it? I mean, we know about the Phoenix program, and we see this, you know, this last, what, three or four years of these shootings going on. Um, Have you, do you know about uh, FEMA's integrated capstone event sponsorship of cities that do those drills? It's called. We're shaking our heads. We don't know anything about it. Well, I, I just don't know Chris, what, what the point of your question is. That's what I'm. I'm, I'm waiting for you to yeah, let's, get let's, to the point well, of what I'm you want to know. Some general questions like um, Naomi Klein's shock doctrine. Right. She wrote a book. She's a neoliberal. I don't really care much for her, but but she does have a pretty good point. There are events, right? Like things that happen, and in those catastrophic events, the the public, the populace is sort of pushed back on their heels. And Tricolian uh, international trade laws or a constitu- or a, almost like police state domestic laws are put in place. Okay, let me ask you a question, because you, you brought this up last time I was in here. So, I did? Yeah, we talked, you, asked, you asked me about the Phoenix program last time I was on here. Um, now, my question to you is, are you, are you then saying that when an event like this occurs, it is actually the equivalent of, for lack of a better term, a false flag intended to change the policy that isn't real to begin with? I would say, what is the result of 9-11 since 9-11? What, what has happened to well, let, let's, a let's focus. constitution? Do you know about... M.O.D., let's, let's focus. So I asked a direct question, yeah, that, which that's is, question. when a event... M.O.D., when a... When a when an event like this occurs, are you saying that the event is not what it is at face value? No, no. So I'm, I'm asking, based on I'm, what? If I can get the question out, if you let me, is what have we seen since these catastrophic events? Since I don't know what, even nine eleven. Mostly uh, paralysis, to be honest with you. Right. The popul the popul the, the public is sort of. Polarized. No, I mean in the in the political uh, level. Yeah, the, the public Congress actually level. is is pretty agreed on what kinds of things the, they want. Right at the congressional and state level, you have uh, you have paralysis. Okay, so in 2012, habeas corpus was removed, not suspended, like Bush did in 2006, but was removed. Uh, no. no, 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 no. Yes, I'm no. like I, mean, I read to you verbatim, and in 2016. Habeas comatomos, or uh, where posi comatomos, where military is not to be based at home, is like you see on the good world, like uh, what Port Arthur, with uh, the water being delivered uh, there. No, uh, I, I, you know, yeah. M- MOD, I'm sorry, I think we're going to have to move on because you're really drifting all over the place. No, here. I'm just saying, these are now constitutional. The no. Right, indefinite detention, and no. the right to be told of charge is now suspended. No. And you guys, I read the verbatim, Mike, last time. No. I, I would very much question your sources. No. No. It was, it was called uh, the ACLU. I read it to you, Mike. But it's okay. Uh, I want your readers, just listeners, just to think about what the last two big things that happened, the last two National Defense Authorization Act. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Chris, do you want to make a quick comment before we move on to... Uh, I don't do conspiracy uh, theories. Okay, fair enough. You're listening to Think Wing Radio with Mike Koenig on KPFT 90.1 FM. My guest is Chris Sampson, a terror and cyber analyst. 
And uh, KPFT can always use your support. Money is great. KPFT.org is a place to contribute that. Also, just spreading the word. Tell people, tell your friends about KPFT shows you like things you like let them know that we're still here on the air and whether it's the music they like or the political talk we're still around and we have variety so tell your friends okay uh blaze i believe is up next again we're going to try to keep this to about three minutes at most uh blaze uh, you have uh you're on the air do you have a point you want to make how are you this evening gentlemen fine thank you blaze i i strongly believe in the right of individuals to carry guns it's difficult for me there certainly people that shouldn't have them but it's difficult for me to think that the government is able to decide who should and who shouldn't i've been shot at held by shotguns pistols in stores driving down the street without having done anything to anybody i've never shot at anyone but I strongly believe that I should be able to carry my gun to shoot back when people shoot at me. You realize that, that most shootings statistically take place among people who know each other. I realize that. However, in, in every case, and it's happened to me six or seven times in the last 60 years, it's been a stranger. Some of it has been, I dropped a guy off from work one morning, and they were holding the place up. He came running out. The guy came shooting at me. I had never seen him before. He never saw me. If I'd have had a gun, I'd have stopped the truck. And I'd have plugged him. Or you might have hit innocent civilians. No, sir. Which is... I, we were in an alley. There were no innocents. There was nobody behind him. All right. Well, let's. I fully, let's... I fully understand the dangers, the inherent, extremely dangerous accidents that can happen with firearms. Sure. But let's tie this into Las Vegas for a minute, Blaze. Shooting at me, I should get to shoot back. Right, but Blaze, let's tie, tie this in. Let me and stay with me on this. Um, yeah. In Las Vegas, a man is shooting for the thirty-second floor. Yeah. Down to a crowd. Yes. He is not necessarily aiming at specific people. He can no. randomly shoot. Now, I, I agree. Would you be able to shoot, shoot upwards to thirty-second floor and nail your target? If I had a long gun with me. Now, if you had I'm a long gun, not, but if you had your conventional question. The streets with a rifle. I'm not saying Understood. That. But what I'm saying is that the scenarios are good in theory in many cases, but since several people today discussed with me about the ability to shoot back or you know, good guys with gun versus bad guy with guns, my question is if you're trying to shoot up to a 30-second floor, mm -hmm. there are very few human beings with the skill set that could aim and perfectly hit that target without injuring someone on the 30th floor. It would have floor, to be a guy from a SEAL floor. team with a 50, millimeter, a 50 right. caliber okay. uh, I, so, I, sniper I, rifle. I agree. Okay. I, I am a good enough shot. I could have done it. Okay, but, and I'm not saying you not, couldn't. Not in the instance like you guys are saying. Right. So, so the instance. When somebody starts shooting, I couldn't. From 32nd floor down, right? Mm -hmm. So then we let's go to the Jared Loeffner uh, shooting. There was one guy who was who was interviewed on CNN who was a concealed carry holder, who said that even though he had always thought what he would do. When that event went down, he said, the moment it started going down, I realized no one will really recognize if I'm part of this scenario or if I'm part of the problem. And he decided not to pull his gun because of the fact he understood that the mindset of that immediate space right. did not avail that to him. So while, again, that's why I refer to the Heller decision, the Heller decision affirms your right to carry a weapon or be armed, and it doesn't describe where, so it, it leaves the right for you to be, uh, to, to um, defend yourself. But when we start talking about scenarios of, of reacting, 
Okay. Yeah. Most uh, of them don't end well. Most of them are unfeasible. They uh, do not require. We're not living in a society that is requiring the type of training for the average person to go in and execute those things. And so I often ask Execute's people. Execute's a good word. Yeah, execute. Right. So I often ask people, how long does it take a soldier when they enlist to get their first weapon? Does it happen on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five? Yes, or a police right. officer goes to the academy. He signs up and decides to get in. He goes through the through examinations and starts doing his training. When does he get his gun? Does he, does he get it on day one? day two, day three, day four. And we know that these people who are eventually the trained professionals with arms, they do not get armed up front. Yet the citizens, if they just simply pass a three-day, what is it, three days now? I, I don't... I don't know I don't what it know. is now. It can't be enough. But the, the background checks take almost no time, and there's very little requirement upon them to go through the type of training that would improve the safety for themselves and, 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 and frankly, the people around them. And frankly, the pro-gun lobby has passed all kinds of rules and legislation to prevent the collection of data on right. gun deaths and right. accidents and innocent shootings. They yep. don't want the data collected. Gentlemen. Just like right now, they don't want us talking about gun control because this isn't the right time. Right, Gen Gentlemen. Yes, sir. Let me just say, and I appreciate you calling me sir, but you don't have to. Let me just say that just because somebody joins or is drafted by the Army, joins the police force, or is just a regular guy walking down the street, they're all pretty much the same as far as ability calmness, perception, and a badge or a uniform doesn't inherently make you a more calm, rational true. person in, in a moment of high anxiety. That's true, true. and but that's there where is training tra and screening right. comes in. Training well, about de-escalation training is very much I've, something I've, that I have worked with in the city of Houston. I understand. If uh, you're along Houston, to guarantee you know the fact that there are many police understood. that have that have for the last but the 50 standard years overreacted and shot. I totally understand. My first action was with I did lead to Delaney when I was a teenager, so I'm very aware of that. But the standard is what we're talking about. What should the standard be? Now we can apply that to officers. We can apply that to military. We ha there there are ways in which we can deal with that. But if the citizens have zero requirement upon them, oh, no, I didn't. Say that's you the problem. Have, well, I, I, I blaze. I, I've got several other callers and, and limited okay. time, but I appreciate you, your, your call and I appreciate your what you were saying. Y'all have, we'll, have a good evening. Thank and you. Keep your eyes open and your finger on the trigger. Will do. Well, maybe not me. So okay. I want to bring that point to to a forefront, though, because again, I'm I'm coming from a background of having martial training that allows me to make decisions about when I'm really at threat versus when someone may think that I'm in threat. And I've noticed when I'm around some people who have a different mindset about safety, their threat level seems higher to them than it does to me. Okay, so when it comes to people who are trained to to judge a situation. Um, often I will find that engaging the situation with anxiety or engaging it as if it's a real threat can often be counterproductive to what the real ambition is, which is safety, or going home safe if you want. De-escalation right? so nobody gets hurt. So de-escalation is something that is not being required of, of people who are owning. In fact, the stand-your-ground laws over the last time we had this discussion in many ways as a nation, whereas what is your obligation to de-escalate and de-emphasize the attention in the space? And the policy has been driving itself towards an escalation policy. It might as well be, uh, you know, high noon on the street right. with, with holsters. Hi, Anthony. Uh, yeah. Anthony, you're going to be on the air now, uh, line six. Anthony, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Okay. 
Yeah, um, I just want to say that after these shootings, we have another issue that we need to talk about, but we never talk about. That's the gun control debate and the low-hanging fruit. Uh, one thing that we never talk about is the health care cost, especially to the victims. Like, like right now, the news media would be going on and on, on about, like, you know, the double standards that was portrayed about the yep. The people that the people that survived every wounded person is going to have tens of thousands of dollars right. in medical expenses. Did you notice that the um, that's one a good of the, point? Did you notice one of the officials there started a GoFundMe program that currently has had a hundred thousand donations? They're over one million dollars in raised money. Uh, it probably won't be enough. It may not be enough, but that was the first thing they announced uh, in one of their early TikToks this morning was that they were raising money because they recognized one the the people involved will need care. Two, family will have to come in to take care of them. So they spent some of the day, and I have to give them a high five, they spent some of the day planning those problems out. But the point that Anthony makes, which right. I think is an under-considered point, is mm -hmm. this is not just a Second Amendment issue. This is a public health issue. Right. And that is what yeah, the yeah. pro-gun yeah. lobby has tried to prevent data to be collected on. True. And let me, let me expand upon that. Why not the Manchester bombing? The NHS released a statement talking about how if this, if this incident would have happened in America, the Manchester bombing, right. people would be getting letters, harassed, and collection notices for months, even for their dead relatives. Yeah, that's be true. thankful that you have the National Health Care Service to be able to take care of you for whenever tragedy strikes. Understood. This is a prime example. Like, like right now, Republicans say, oh, we shouldn't be talking about gun control. Then let's talk about single payer right now and use this as a prime example of why we need it. We can talk about single-payer and gun control. Right. I think strike while the iron is hot. I'm going to have to let you go, Anthony. I've got a couple more callers thank you, only Anthony. about six or seven minutes. All right. But thank, thank you, you for your point. Very good points. Thank you so much. You're listening to Think Wing Radio with Mike Honig on KPFT 90.1 FM. You can go to my website, thinkwingradio.com, where I archive all my shows and have links to all my sources pretty much that I mention on the air, plus a lot. Um, you can also follow me at Think Wing Radio, which I'm seeing some people have started doing and sending me messages, which is cool during the show. Okay, my guest is Chris Sampson, and uh, next up is Johnny. Thank you for waiting, Johnny. You're in the air. Thank you, and I can recommend your website. I visited once or twice, and it's very well organized. Thank you. You're friendly, and you do your homework. That is for sure. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Uh, I'm not sure whether I should... I'm confused as to whether I should be more concerned or more frightened uh, of the people who rush to buy guns mm. because of what the NRA says, and then they train their weapons on law enforcement from a high vantage point, right. or if I should be more concerned about our militarized police who, along with military, show up after mm. a hurricane in Louisiana, you know, uh, after, Katr after uh, Katrina hit, and and the behavior they show up with bayoneted rifles within three days of that disaster, as well as the military and police over in Puerto Rico right now who are at literally terrorizing American citizens, threatening to uh, withhold their passports or cancel their passports. I didn't know ICE had that power to do that for U.S. citizens across. I'm not heard that, which is not to say it hasn't happened, right. but I have not heard that. I want to mention something, because you talked about visiting my site occasionally. One of the topics that I have noted here is actually a video, which is, you know, a little unprofessionally done, but very informative, runs about uh, three and a half, five minutes. 
called Why Do Gun Stocks Climb After Mass Shootings? Mm -hmm. And the video actually covers a little more ground than that. I do suggest watching it. It's, it's on my site. You can click on it. It will talk to you. Um, why do gun stocks climb after mass shootings? Well, for some people, it's for self-defense. They're afraid. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's like, oh, the government is going to take my guns, and they're going out and stocking up and hoarding as much as they can. Right. Eight years of Obama, and when did that occur? It did not. Uh, there were at least a dozen times when it never happened. Right. Yeah, there's always phantoms created uh, for these white people. And you find it interesting, it's always these white guys that call into our radio station and other stations who talk about all the logistics of firearm purchases and why to buy this or not buy that. Right. I never hear black people with this level of anxiety. And they're the ones who would justifiably be, be having these conversations. Can you imagine how unstable this country would really be? Right. Actually, black Americans behaved as irrationally as all these white folks? Actually, you just kind of provoked an interesting point to me that you would think that given the context of the conversation, given the fact that I've mentioned several times and Chris has agreed that open carry is pretty much a whites-only law, uh, I'm kind of surprised we haven't had people of color call in to either say yay or nay or, or tell their experiences about that. Because really, if a, if a black person openly carries a weapon, the chances of their going home alive is small. That's right. It's nil to zero. Right. Uh, or the I fact that, that they will be confronted. They will be confronted in public MOD. I believe he characterized Naomi Klein as a neoliberal. She's a liberal. Right. Neoliberal. It's not the same meaning as neoconservative. Agreed. Unfortunately, it's the way Republicans use the language against us. Right. She's a liberal, not a neoliberal. Right. And we adopt their terminology, unfortunately. Yeah, which, something we had to be careful of. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get to the next caller, I want to go over two points that uh, we've, we've missed in the conversation. And one of the first ones that's important is the fact that ISIS, which is, again, the area I most focus on, um, the, uh, the propaganda that they have published for many years has said it is easy to, uh, to get weapons in the United States, uh, they have uh, uh, plenty of times advertised about the gun shows, especially that it's right after the Mexican um, cartels, too. They love the United States. Well, they talked about open loopholes. They said uh, they were talking about open policy as is. And after the Omar Mateen attack, they explicitly stated, see how easy it is to arm yourself. So they, in many ways, they exploit the very vulnerability created by the right wing in America who seems to most vocally claim to be hateful of ISIS, you know, and invokes uh, hatred against them on a regular basis. So we have sort of two idiot groups stuck at the hip, okay? And we have that, a, a president right now who's, who's showing the worst that happens when you take that ideology to the point where you control absurd. the military and start a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, right. we're, we're going to need some laws and constitutional amendments proposed after this guy is out of office. All right. Hey, we're uh, going to need the mic now. Johnny, mean, he's provoking that country to, to Johnny, uh, uh, explode I, a hydrogen bomb. I've I got to let you go, Johnny. i got one more caller. We need more. Thank you, Johnny. All right, Johnny, I'm, I apologize, but we're Second. short on time, and I want to get my last caller, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, you're on the air. Jeff, you I'll jump tonight? in with a point. Well, if I could, I would cede my time to Johnny, but that's not possible. <laughs> well, fair's fair. Uh, fair's fair. Let me point out, uh, if you're on the 32nd floor and you're firing straight down, we're talking about 420 feet. Mm -hmm. And this guy hit at least 58 people 
and there was a musical. There was a, and there was a musical concert going on, so the people were packed like sardines. It right. didn't take a marksman. Okay. Uh, and he was firing an automatic weapon, an automatic, fully automatic weapon. For 10 weapon. to 15 minutes. And then now, uh, uh, still, uh, your own comment was if you were down there mm-hmm. and firing up at him, mm-hmm. chances are you would have hit people on the 25th, 28th, right. 29th. Adjacent floor. units. Yeah, I mean, it, basically you would have had a lot of other innocent people in the hotel shot. I heard he had a room on 44. Did he shoot from 25? I think it was 32. 32 is what is in the news. and on, He had two on, windows broken out on, on the 32nd floor. Uh, there's there's two little comments I want to make. One of them, neither of them are mine. Okay, 30 seconds. None, none, 30 seconds comes from Onion, and it is that uh, – there's an individual in Pennsylvania who is hoping that all these things will go away for no reason now that we've seen how horrible it is. And another one is a picture of uh, Paul Ryan and a comment that, no, we will not engage in gun control, especially when the issue is mental illness, which we intend to cut funding. Right. Okay. I, I'm going to have to let you go, Thank Jeff. You, Jeff. I, I appreciate it. I'm sorry that we're short of time. So uh, I want to make one more point that I made on Chinese uh, TV today. Um, these are soft spots, okay? And if you look at how we uh, view our security, security is a process. It is not a permanent state. It is a process. So when you go to a concert and you go to certain facilities like City Hall, you go through a process of security. But when you come to a hotel, you do not have that. You do not have magnetometers in hotels because their primary aim is to book you, get you to your room, and be comfortable. It's like how many places should we have uh, metal scanners? Right, but let me ask you a question. Had the president been down there, do you think that those hotels would have been swept? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the president gets that kind of security, but the average citizens who are vulnerable in that open space do not. Okay, Uh, I appreciate all my callers. I certainly appreciate Chris Sampson, who is a terror and cyber analyst and uh, has previously done shows at KPFT and a prior guest. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show. Appreciate you. Um, You've been listening to Think Wing Radio with Mike Honig on KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston. And remember, in 1791, when the Second Amendment went into effect, firing 10 shots without reloading required 10 guns. Have a great week. I'll see you next Monday. Gather around, KPFT listeners from all over the greater Houston area. We're inviting you to a unique, one-time show of epic proportions. Join us for the second Saturday KPFT fundraiser, where KPFT's own free menstrual show and friends present a spectacular spectacle at Station Theater, Houston's home for long-form improvised comedy. We'll see you there from 6.30 to 8 p.m. on the second Saturday of the month. Station Theater is located at 1230 Houston Avenue. Parking is free down Dart Street and at the tire shop. Visit stationtheater.com forward slash KPFT for more details. You're listening to KPFT Houston.
Natural Awakenings is Houston's premier healthy living magazine. Locally produced, Natural Awakenings' mission is to provide insight and information on natural health, nutrition, fitness, green living, and more. Each issue features the latest health and wellness information available through featured articles written by nationally recognized authors and local experts. Available for free at newsstands around town or online at naturalawakenings-houston.com. This is KPFT Houston.